When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to the Florida State of Recruiting podcast. We are the three stars presented by Tomahawk Nation, and we are excited to be jumping on probably for the third straight day. If you're downloading and listening, we've had a lot to cover. Uh, We had an overview of Florida State in general. We just talked about the offensive side of the transfer class, and now we're jumping into defensive side of the transfer class for Florida State. Uh, We talked about some really exciting names on the offensive side, but man, this defensive side, uh, has some studs that we're excited about. As always, joined by Josh Pick. Josh, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, man. Excited to talk about some of these kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, of course, the esteemed Dr. David Stout. How are you doing, David? <laughs> uh, steam is the right right notion right now with how cold it is. But, um, yeah, man, I'm doing great and, and really excited to dig deep into this defensive class. Oh, yeah. You just, oh, yeah. you just, you just thought that moving from Florida was a good idea. You know, it's funny. Everybody up here in North Carolina is like, why did you move out of Florida? And up here, I'm like, dude, everybody's moving to Florida right now. We're, we're trying to be a little bit different here. <laughs> You're out of control, David. I, I will say since you've moved, it's it's been a roller coaster at Florida State. I don't know if you caused that, but uh, we're, we're surviving. <laughs> but uh, definitely been a wild ride for Florida State over the last month and a half. Uh and a lot of emotions, a lot of frustrations, but a lot of wins, especially along the transfer portal uh, cycle for Mike Norvell and his staff. And so we're going to talk about those wins when we talk about the Florida State's defensive side. Uh, A lot of exciting players on the offensive side, but a lot of exciting players on the defensive side as well. So let's start with the defensive line. Uh, we're going to start inside and work our way out. So the first guy I feel like is maybe the the underappreciated uh, member of this transfer class because I think he's going to get in here and he's going to be like Brandon Fisk light a little bit. It's Grady Kelly, transfer from Colorado State, maybe a little bit undersized, but this kid has a, a motor and, and really, really when he's out there on the field gives it his all. And, you know, it's probably going to be your your DT3, you know, as long as D-Jax and Farmer uh, stay here and do their thing. He's probably going to be right in that rotation. But we know with the way that Florida State rotates defensive linemen, Grady Kelly's going to be a kid that gets a lot of time. uh, And it's going to make an impact at Florida State, in my opinion. David, let me let me get your thoughts on this this lovely mulleted kid from uh, this joint (laughs) Florida State. Yeah, so he's from... uh... Navarre and the the panhandle and he just looks panhandle man like he just (laughs) slap a pair of cargo shorts on him and he is Florida panhandle man I I love that I love his look um 
he, you know, this is probably your Malcolm Ray replacement. Um, you know, this is a, a dude who, you know, probably won't be starting caliber, but he's going to be an important piece of the rotation. Um, you know, I, I would probably have him kind of around the same level as Lions right now. Maybe Lions a little bit above him, but um, certainly somebody who's who's going to see, you know, upwards of 15, 20 snaps a game uh, early on at FSU as he gets comfortable. But um, yeah, Malcolm Ray replacement. And, and again, it's it's important to note that this is one of the things that I really have have stuck with uh, is a, a quote that Mike Norvell said, and I, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but he basically said, you know, when people were upset that that, you know, the Ole Misses, the Louisville's, the Texas A&M's, all these teams were taking all these transfer portal guys and FSU didn't have as many. He said something along the lines of, you know, other teams are going to be taking more guys, but we're more concerned about being taking the right guys. Um, and so with this, uh, you know, they identified Kelly as a kid who can certainly come in and, and play an important role because, you know, the other thing is I think that a lot of times fans are just looking for the next big name, right? Like they mm-hmm. want to bring in all the stars and, and all these guys who used to be five stars and blue chips and all that. But for me, it's important to remember that some of these guys are being brought in to play a very specific role. They're being brought in to be a rotational guy, to be a depth guy. Um, and the opportunity is greater at Florida state than it was at Colorado state. And so, you know, Kelly is upgrading himself and then FSU is adding a very nice rotational piece to the roster. Yeah. And, and this is a kid, as Tim mentioned, Braden Fisk light, I think very light, maybe don't, don't just, Oh, it's a white defensive tackle. It's Braden Fisk. All like Braden Fisk was an all American. Like that kid was a stud. Um, Grady Kelly has some nice offers and I, I like the take. Um, you hope that he's on the second or third rotation. And that means that Daryl Jackson and Joshua Farmer don't leave Florida state. And, and yeah, like, the defensive tackle room looks pretty solid as long as Jackson and Farmer stay, which is which yeah. is to me the the elephant in the room still. <laughs> still haven't got those uh, the battles in notifications yet. Uh, I, my my comparison between uh, Kelly and Fisk, and yeah, don't don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's Fisk, who I think is a a multi year NFL guy uh, with him, but I think motor wise, this was a guy that just didn't give up when he was out there and uh, was a guy that while he has talent and skills, his effort was also what lifted him up. And, you know, I I don't think Kelly's going to have obviously the size and skills there, but he's going to have that same amount of effort when he's out there on the, on the field. hundred percent. Yeah. All right. So let's move from inside outside. Um, You know, we referenced this in the last podcast, the defensive end position was, was where most people were like Florida state. You've really misstepped here with Kyle Kennard, not committing and going elsewhere. And Samuel, uh, Oaken, Lola, or I don't know if I said that right, but, um, Josh is making a face at me, so I probably no. I'm, I'm just thinking like you got Oaken Lola. Now you got Lola Haya and you got <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and you got all the names you're going to have yeah. to work on. Yeah. And so he, you know, he goes to Colorado and, and everybody's thinking, well, Florida State, they missed it. They missed it. So they put all their chips in on, on Nick Scourton and, and the hometown team won out there. But I think Florida State has done a really good job on the defensive end position. They don't have, in my opinion, the elite player like Jared Verse or maybe like Scourton was going to be, 
but they have refilled that room and made it solid. And and I think they have better depth than they did this past year, even though the top end maybe not be there. And let's start with Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, I think he was the first commit of this transfer class. Um, everybody was obviously excited to get Junior uh, uh, into the fold. And I, I think he's a little bit of an unknown, to be honest, with what's going to happen with with him at Florida State. I think he's got all the potential in the world, had an injury, I think, at Georgia that slowed him down, but was getting snaps uh, there at Georgia. And I think right now most people think he's going to be your Jared Burst replacement. But, Josh, how do you feel about Jones and, and what that rotation might look like? Yeah, I mean, I think he has the chance to be elite. You said they didn't bring in any elite kids, and, and as far as production is concerned, that's the case. But right. I think, I think you know, this kid was a five-star for a reason. He has the pedigree. He has the legacy. Um, he has the size. Um, and, yeah, he was playing at Georgia. Like, And, I honestly, I think he was playing out of position. To be honest. Like, they played at 3-4. Just I've seen it online a lot. Oh, Marvin Jones is going to be a linebacker at Florida State. No, Marvin Jones is not going to be a linebacker at Florida State. He's going to play defensive end opposite Patrick Payton. Um, and I think he's going to do really well under the, the tutelage of Coach JP, and and I think he's going to be very nice. I think he'll be an All ACC player. I don't think he'll be Jared Burst, but this is a very nice get. And just because he was assumed to be coming to Florida State doesn't mean it's not a very nice get for this Florida State staff. Yeah, one hundred percent, David. I, I know. Uh, I feel like it's been forever ago. We wrote that legacy article about <laughs> Florida State. <laughs> and uh, at the time, it felt like, oh, man, what, we just wasted our time on that article. But now it's it's basically, I think, three for four with, uh, shoot, with with what's-his-face who ended up, I don't even know where he ended up, UCF? Brand- yeah, yeah, Brandings. Yeah. He's now at Mississippi State. He just signed yeah. with Mississippi State. Yeah, that's yeah. the only kid, I think, out of the article that has not ended up at Florida State. David, I know, I know you, you obviously – uh, have a lot of reminiscence about uh, Marvin Jones, and you're excited about what Junior's going to be doing at Florida State. Yeah, man, I, and boy, boy, she, did FSU dodge a bullet on Jennings or what? Good gracious, man we we thought he was going to be a stud superstar, but he's just racking up the frequent flyer miles these days. But um, Marvin Jones Junior, you know, it's funny because. I, I don't know if there was a more talked about rumored transfer portal entry than Marvin Jones Jr. in the weeks leading up to, to what happened. And, uh, you know, I, I think everybody kind of had this vibe that when he committed to Georgia, I don't want to say we knew he was going to enter the transfer portal because you never know. But there was just this vibe of at some point he was going to feel the call to come home. And, uh, you know, he had some injuries at Georgia, so it's, it's not necessarily a fault of the coaching staff or of him. He just had some bad luck, but he was really starting to play his best ball to date uh, towards the end of the season. And I think Georgia would have liked to have kept him. There's no doubt about that. But again, just like Josh said, FSU moved really, really fast on this, and they did not allow any other program to even come up for air. Uh, when this happened and they locked it down very quickly Uh, and there's no doubt that Marvin Jones Jr. would have had a bunch of different suitors had FSU not moved as quickly and and decisively as they did but I don't know who I'm happier for man Marvin Jones Jr. or Marvin Jones Sr. because you know Sr. just has to be on cloud nine right now seeing his son wind up at FSU the way it was meant to be Um, and like Josh said I, I think this is somebody who 
I, I don't want to put a ton of weight of expectations on him because he's not going to be the second coming of Jared versus the first time he puts on the garnet and gold. You know, there are going to be some growing pains there. But again, he's he has the ceiling of an all-conference starter, uh, potentially maybe getting to be an All-American uh, on some of the lists and some different publications. And he has an NFL future. And um, it's exciting because when we talk about these defensive guys, FSU in terms of production, like y'all said, we're not getting a ton of guys who have a ton of production. But when you have a coaching staff on the defense that is primarily built around developers and coaches instead of recruiters, that's what you're banking on, right? Like you're banking on these guys who are a little bit unproven in college coming in, developing them and getting them to that level. So um, excellent addition. I, you know, it's, it's really, really exciting to see uh, the legacy happen in this case. Yeah. And, and let's keep talking about the Florida state depth at defensive end. We know, we know Patrick Payton. Uh, we assume Patrick Payton is sticking around another year based off the, uh, the TBE announcement and excited about what he's going to do there. But if we look at last year, it was Payton and verse. And then next up was, Byron Turner and ugh, you, you just didn't know what was going to happen there. Um, sometimes it was it was it was Edmonds who's, who's back at South Carolina now. Uh, it was just kind of a what are we going to get at Florida State at defensive end after our elites are out? And you saw that on the field when Florida State was doing their heavy rotations, which a lot of players ended up liking when those second string defensive ends were in there there was a step down on the defensive line and that's sometimes where we saw those breakdowns and it looks like florida state is looking to address that by building substantial depth some of them are going to be just one year hires for lack of better words to uh to to uh keep the the chains moving but some of these guys are multi-year guys and this next guy is a multi-year guy um transferring her over from west virginia before that he was at kentucky uh uh, I'm, I'm gonna call him Tommy, but uh, last name Durajai. Uh, uh, Tommy Durajai. Uh, Josh and I. I feel like we were stalking his socials forever, uh, seeing what he was gonna do. Uh, but this is a guy that I think he's. I think he an instant impact at Florida State, and that he's going to see significant snaps, and he's gonna flash. But I think. I think. Josh, is it fair to say this is a guy that I think if once he gets one year under his belt, I think we could really see a lot of growth uh, from Durajai. Yeah, I think he's the most underrated signee so far for Florida State. I think this is a kid that I'm really excited about. Um, seems like he has a, a huge desire to fit in at Florida State and work really hard. Already has a really nice frame, a kid that you could slide inside if you needed to on third downs, a pass rush. Um, and yeah, he is on his third school, but this kid has potential through the roof. I completely agree in terms of the most underrated. This is, I said it in the commitment article. Uh, this is a sneaky good addition. Um, this is one that, you know, we could be looking at back on in a couple years and be like, damn, we should have talked about him more. Um, so this kid, Mark Stoops was elated to have him at Kentucky. Um, and it, you know, it just didn't work out for whatever reason. And it's funny because West Virginia finished second for him. Um, and he ended up going to West Virginia and uh, had really good relationships with the coaching staff there. So um, again, he's, he's looking to kind of upgrade his situation and, 
you know, there's some, some instability on the coaching staff at West Virginia with Neil Brown kind of consistently under hot seat watch and they did better this year, but it's the talk isn't going to go away. And so he's looking for more stability and, and FSU's, um, you know, defensive coaching staff with, with Odell and Papuchas have a great rotation for de- great reputation for development. And so with this, this is a kid who, again, you're never going to have to question the work ethic. You're never going to have to question the dedication, the motor, the relentlessness, but he has some serious tools that you can work with. And he's got a little bit of flexibility. I mean, he, in certain packages, you can slide him inside if you want to, he's got quickness and he can shut blockers pretty well. So um, as he fills out and continues to refine his, his uh, physical traits and, and get more moves and, you know, bull rushes and swim moves and all that stuff, you're talking this this could very well be a multi-year starter for FSU and and just a great kid really cool personal story and really looking forward to having him as part of the team I, I have a question for you guys you guys are more the scouts than I am um do you think Durajai has the the best opportunity to be in the mold of Jared verse or is he a different type of defensive end? Yeah, I think I think maybe a more athletic like Kier Thomas, like Jared Verse okay. is just, like I don't know, Jared Verse is special to me. Like, <laughs> okay. Kier's a I really think, good comparison. Yeah, I, somehow I think like Verse is still somehow underrated by the Florida State fan base. Like, this dude is just unbelievable. He's he's a first round like this. Yeah, I don't know. Like Jared Verse is all world. I'll take yeah, it. I, I, uh, it's yeah, tough to. He's almost like FSU's version of curse at FSU, like just a physical freak. Um, I, you know, I, I think Kier Thomas is actually a really good uh, good comparison. I was actually thinking like an Everett Dawkins from back in the day, um, a guy who, again, you could slide inside, slide outside, has the mm-hmm. athleticism and mobility to make an impact either way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I like that comparison. Kier Thomas actually I think is a really good comparison. Yeah, I wasn't thinking about that. I forgot that he is going to have the ability to go inside um, there. So, yeah, uh, I, and I'm all for another Kier Thomas because, I mean, I thought he was great in his one year at Florida State. Um, and he's and he's, and he's he's getting paid in the NFL, so, like, yeah. Right. Yeah. All right, one more on the defensive line. Uh, a, a, another Oregon State guy, when he hit the transfer portal, uh, Uli Angelole was tweeting at him right away. Florida State got him on campus uh, almost instantly, it felt like. And then uh, he went out to USC, uh, and then there were there were rumors and there was murkiness. He's got a crystal ball to USC. He might go to Michigan State. And then out of nowhere, uh, Sione Lolohea just commits to Florida State. And, and the defensive end room just continued to raise that floor uh, going into 2024. Um, David, let's talk about, uh, Lola Haya for a second. Um, this is a guy one year left to play. Uh, he's going to come in. He, 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 he played pretty well at Oregon state. Uh, but again, this is a guy that you slide in, in my opinion, you slide him in over Byron Turner. Um, and so now you've got a functional two man depth chart of and, and however you, this is going to shake out but you've got marvin jones jr you've got durajai you've got lolo 
and you've got Patrick Payton. And I think this is a guy that definitely makes this room better. So what a recruiting victory by this staff. This is one that I didn't think FSU was going to win. I thought USC would get him because he's from that area. It would be a homecoming for him going home to USC, prestigious program, you know, all that kind of stuff. And uh, FSU, you know, I'm sure that DJ helped a lot with this, but my goodness, what a recruiting victory for Florida State here. And I'm going to tell you all what, I I would not be surprised if he gets a starting position over Marvin Jones Jr. It really wouldn't surprise me. He is a uh, he's a very 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 talented pass rusher, um, all conference performer at Oregon State. Went up against some pretty darn good tackles and whipped them uh, throughout the year. And he's building on that, right? Like he's got the physical talent, he's got the tools, he's got the experience at a high level, more experience than Marvin Jones Jr. has. And he brings that just workmanlike uh, attitude of just next play, next play. Doesn't matter how big of a play I've made, next play. And um, so, yeah, this, this is somebody who, if Marvin Jones Jr. needs a little bit more time to recover from the, soldier, the shoulder surgery he had last year, or if he just needs a little bit more time to learn the playbook or whatever, you can slot Lolo Hay in there, and you're really not going to miss that big of a beat. Um, so, yeah, this is one of, of all the recruiting victories in the transfer portal that FSU has won so far. This, to me, was the biggest underdog poll that FSU was the underdog for and pulled him. So he's he's someone that, again, I'm really, really excited about him. He's got starter potential, and I think he could really help in terms of production as you're trying to replace Jared Verse. Yeah, I, th- I think the ceiling probably is a little bit lower in the defensive end room just because you lose Verse, who's an all-world all kid. But I think the floor has been significantly raised. Um, this is a kid with that Polynesian work ethic, like, He's going to come in and he's going to work. Major props to DJU, but also major props to Derek Ray, who's the general manager for Florida State. And I know a lot of other outlets like want to bash Ray or whatever, but the relationship there won out. He he identified a need and he got this kid in. And, and yeah, a lot of people thought, oh, this kid's handler wants him to go to USC. He's going to go to USC. But Florida State was able to get a signature in the end, and that's a very big win. Yeah, I, I think this was a nice recruiting win for Florida State. It wasn't a slam dunk and one that they were able to, to steal the deal on. Uh, let's move to the defensive back room. Uh, talking about first Devontae Brown, uh, safety slash cornerback from Miami. Uh, this is a Pat Sertain kid, played under Sertain in high school, went to UCF, then went with his brother to Miami. Had kind of a down year uh, at Miami, and so – uh, a, a lot of the uh, the fans, I think, were are a bit down on, on Brown being taken. But, Josh, I think you kind of nailed it right when we started discussing it. Uh, this is a kid that you bring in at safety, and now you have some experience and depth at safety. And if you look at his PFF scores, this kid's a, a much more surefire tackler than, uh, than Kevin Knowles and some of the other players back there. Yeah, he brings you that size. He brings you that experience. And and as you said, like tackling is his number one score on his pro football focus grades. And if Florida State can get this kid to come in and 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 be that athletic safety, that Jamie Robinson type that you can throw in the slot if you need to as a safety or come after guys as a blitzer, be pair him back there with Shy Brown as long along with Conrad Hussey. And it's it's probably the take that I like the least on the on the defensive side of the ball. But that's just because the rest of the takes are very, very good. Um, 
And Florida State's shown that they like to recruit guys that they have that pre-existing relationship with, and that's certainly the case with Devontae. And, and who knows, maybe down the line it'll lead to Florida State snatching Damari Brown as well. Uh-huh. This, to me, is a strategic move by, by Mike Norvell, Adam Fuller, and Patrick Sertan. So Sertan obviously is going to be able to evaluate Devontae Brown really well, having coached him before. And Devontae Brown was actually a really good prospect coming out of UCF, had some good seasons for UCF, um, did not work out very well in Miami. Uh, by no means was he a liability, um, like we've seen from, from a couple of FSU defensive backs, but you know, not, not quite the instant impact guy you're hoping you would get. But again, FSU is going to put him at safety. And so that should be really, really interesting to see how he translates um, if nothing else, like Tim mentioned, it's great to have a sure-handed tackler back there. That's something that's kind of been lacking um, and can never get enough of, especially if they, you know, break past the second level of defense. Um, so, so with him, I think FSU's playing the long game here because Damari Brown is an absolute stud. He is a stud. Again, at one time he was committed to Florida State. FSU was really hoping to pull both brothers. It didn't work out. They went to Miami. So, again, FSU finished second for Damari and Devontae. But Damari Brown, you know, he's going to be talking to Devontae probably every day. And we still have a couple of transfer portal cycles to go here where guys can enter their names. And so who's to say that Damari doesn't really start thinking about, well, maybe I do want to change the scenery. Maybe I do want another opportunity FSU is not going away there. So it may come to fruition. It may not come to fruition. We'll see what happens. But I think there's there's a little bit more layers and subtext to this take than some of the other takes. Yeah, I agree. And, and we talked about the tackling if the second level is beat there. I also would like to see, uh, you know, tackling where when a safety blitz is going on and they just go flying past a running back or quarterback, you know, I'd like to see yeah. more of those, those surefire tackles. All right. Last name that we want to talk about that has committed to Florida state at this time is Earl little. Um, the, the final Bama boy again at this time to talk about, this was another kid that Florida state probably finished second or close third on in the recruiting class. This was a guy that I don't think Bama wanted to leave. Um, and this is a kid that I think is going to be a big time player in the secondary. David, let's talk about Earl Little. Yeah, this this one, <laughs> it's, it's hard for me to pick who I'm most excited about along the defensive transfer portal additions. There's probably three or four guys. But Earl Little is right there. And like you said, Tim, it's it's important to note that, you know, FSU right now has four transfers coming in from Alabama, could potentially add a fifth here in a minute. Um, but three of these guys, Alabama did not want to lose. And Earl Little Jr. is the one they fought the hardest to keep. Nick Saban personally fought hard to keep him uh, because they they expected him to start next year for Alabama. But uh, again, FSU, once Marvin Jones came on board, we immediately shifted our attention to Earl Little Jr. And we're like, okay, if he enters the transfer portal, there's no, you know, it's not a sure thing that he will. But if he does, FSU has got to be looked at as a favorite. And sure enough, it happened. And um, this right here, I mean, he has the ability to play corner. He has the ability to play safety. But I think his future is brightest in the nickel role. 
And this is a dude who can slot in at nickel and you don't have to worry about nickel for the next two or three seasons. Um, He's someone you can trust in coverage. He's someone who, you know, you can bring on a blitz every once in a while. He has a really high upside. And again, another South Florida boy that FSU finished second for, and they're able to lean on that relationship to bring him in. And it just, it's such a trip, man, to see these names that we had talked about so much a couple cycles ago, the Jalen Browns, the Earl Little Juniors, the Marvin Jones Juniors, Terrence Ferguson. And and yet here they all are. They're everything old is new again. And couldn't be more excited to see FSU add him into the defensive back room. Yeah, and as, as soon as Florida State landed some of these guys, I was like, yeah, Tribe 22 is looking better than ever. Uh, <laughs> it's just funny, funny, funny how that works out. But uh, another kid, as you mentioned, like the Jalen Browns and the Marvin Joneses, don't discount it just because he visited Florida State and signed with Florida State immediately. Like, this was a kid that a lot of the schools wanted, a lot of SEC schools wanted, Alabama wanted to keep him. He's a Miami legacy. Like, this is a very big win for Florida State. And among all the guys coming in, I think he's the one with the best chance to start immediately. Like, he's got that job locked up, in my opinion, uh, that nickel defensive back job. And, and Earl Little has an amazingly high floor, but he also has a very high ceiling. Smart player. His dad played in the NFL. Um, he could play outside if need be. But, yeah, as you said, like that nickel spot is where we expect him to slot in. He's going to start there immediately. He is a stud. NFL future. Well, you know, I, I can't help but say as we've gone through this conversation about the defensive class, there's definitely a position that was not talked about, um, and, and that's the linebacker spot. And, and there's a lot of angst slash grief slash frustration about what's going on at that, and I think a lot of that's warranted uh, and, and don't want to discount that in any way. Um, Florida State obviously losing Kalen Deloge and Tatum Bethune, uh, the graduation. Um, and, and then DJ Lundy was going to Colorado, uh, but Florida State was able to bring him back uh, and, and get him there. And I think that's that's a huge move as Lundy is a, a player that's he knows the system, he knows what to expect. Uh, but obviously Florida State, unless something changes here today, which we can touch on, uh, is going to be heading into the spring uh, practice session, spring game, et cetera, just not where they need to be at the linebacker spot. Um, Alabama transfer Sean Murphy, uh, as as reported by Knowles 24-7, is on, was on campus last night uh, and this morning. We actually had one of our contributors see them at breakfast this morning uh, with, with, co- with one of the coaches, Josh, I know you've had this guy in the recruiting thread for a while. Um, if we could, maybe maybe let's just talk about what Ferguson, or not Ferguson, what Murphy could bring to Florida State if he comes here. Um, but if he doesn't, I also want to talk about what Florida State's looking at uh, heading into the summer, uh, spring slash summer session. So Josh, uh, touch on Murphy just briefly, if you would, uh, since he has not committed to Florida State, although there are some signs that he may be making that choice. Yeah. First of all, let me just go back to touch on Lundy. Like, Lundy's a guy that Florida State didn't want to necessarily lose, but they weren't going to overpay and do something stupid to get him back. I think they thought that maybe there'd be more talented linebackers that would enter the portal that they'd be able to land. And Once they realized that wasn't going to happen, they made a nice move because I believe – I don't know if he was enrolled or not, but Lundy signed with Colorado. Um 
or at least he he announced that he signed with Colorado. Colorado had him on their roster, all that good stuff. So that's a nice move to go go grab him, bring him back, make sure that you have at least one starting caliber linebacker going into next season. Um, as for Sean Murphy, a guy that hasn't it's, – it's a very similar situation to a lot of the guys that Florida State's bringing in. The potential is through the roof. The college production just is not there yet. But Sean Murphy's another guy that Alabama did not want to lose whatsoever. Um, thought that he would – a lot of the reporters there thought that he would be a guy that would step in and start for Alabama next season at linebacker. Um, he's got the requisite size and athleticism to play linebacker at the college level. Um, a high four-star kid in high school, top 100 player that Florida State recruited out of high school. Florida State got him to unofficial visit. He was one of five five schools. Florida State was one of those five that he visited. Alabama was the only one he took an official visit to in high school, uh, ended up committing to and signing with Alabama. But as soon as he entered, Florida State was all over him. Maybe they knew that he was going to enter the portal. It's amazing kind of some of the, the tampering and the whispering and all that stuff that goes on, you know, People are like, oh, tampering. Tampering happens with every school in the country, players and coaches. It goes both ways. Um, this would be a very nice get for Florida State. And a, and a guy that you would expect based on the depth chart that Florida State certain, currently has to start next season if Florida State lands him. Uh, but he's not he's not a guarantee because he hasn't produced in college yet. Yeah, this is, this is the kind of take that, again – if you're going to have a staff full of developers and not recruiters, this is the litmus test, right? Like he, here's a guy that has all the tools you could possibly want for a linebacker, um, but not the production. And so all eyes are going to be on Randy Shannon in terms of how he can develop this guy and make him a multi-year starter. Um, I, you know, I, as Josh mentioned, he did make it to FSU over the summer of 2021 but uh, you know i i don't know who finished second for him out of high school i don't know if he had a second place finisher just was locked in on alabama so we didn't really cover him that much um i you know i would say he's uh, someone asked the question is he more of a deloach or is he more of a bethune um kind of a mix of both in a way maybe like a little bit of a faster version of bethune um he lays the wood when he he hits like a mac truck um, still a little bit stiff, uh, but you know, it's there, there's just not that much of a sample size to go by. So he's a little bit of an unknown. Um, but yeah, in terms of linebacker recruiting in the transfer portal, to me, there's no way around it. It's been a significant disappointment. Um, you know, you have Nikhil Hill green who Mike Norvell has, has really liked, we just call him NHG. He's, he's really liked NHG since he was a high school player. Um, and he had a he had a solid start at Michigan, and then sat out a year. Um, went to Charlotte to play for Biff Pogi, uh, who was his high school coach. Had a pretty good season, um, but now there are concerns about eligibility. Uh, to me, I, you know, I don't know that they're going to be able to work those concerns out to get him enrolled for the spring. And then it's a question of is he still a take? You know, if you can't put him through spring ball, is he still a take for you? Um, you know, is there any guarantee that he can stay eligible throughout the season? I don't know. Um, you know, he would be a fine take, but I, I don't know. It's, there's a lot of unknowns about it. And then the other one they brought in, uh, Stefan Thompson from Syracuse. Um, I was really disappointed that they used an official visit on him, period. I, to me, he would be a great addition if it was 1998 and you still needed the six foot two, 250 pound slower plotting linebackers but to me he's 
your classic tweener. He's he's too small to be an edge rusher and not powerful enough to be an edge rusher, but he's too heavy and plotting to be an effective linebacker going sideline to sideline. I mean, he's basically what Lundy was before his awesome body transformation. And and that's not going to be a guy who helps you at all. Um, and so, you know, to me, the biggest recruiting one thus far is obviously getting Lundy back, but Lundy still has his limitations. And so, you know, I don't know, guys. I, you know, I think FSU is going to really be looking at who else enters the transfer portal after spring ball, and they're really going to be hopeful that a, a plug-and-play linebacker enters then or maybe even during summer. Uh, but if you don't have that happen, maybe they have to start looking at their current roster and saying, all right, well, who are we going to move to linebacker? You know, could it be Shaheem Brown? Could it, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but that's been kind of a glaring deficit to us. And I know we've talked a lot about it offline and in the threads, but, um, you know, hopefully Murphy works out and, and I hope that, uh, you know, he's, he's ready to, to start because the starting position is there for the taking. Um, but Blake Nicholson is another one we're really looking forward to seeing how he develops and if he can take the next step. Uh, Omar Graham, we love Omar Graham. First ever interview that we got to do on uh, a podcast with a recruit. But again, someone we knew coming in was going to have limitations. So we'll see what happens here. Yeah, and, and and I think Murphy, of all the kids that have entered, like he's the one that has me the most excited with the potential. But again, like the production's not there. I do think it's good that Florida State only – plays two linebackers in their system. They play that four, two, five. So Lundy and Murphy or Lundy and someone else, you still want to go get somebody else from the portal just to be safe. But as David said, like the development will be very interesting to see with Nicholson, Omar Graham, who just had surgery. And then uh juice choir, the kid that they got from Northwestern last year. Um, but again, it's an indictment on the, the linebacker recruiting on the whole, like that you're having to do this, this late in the, in the, in the, in the game to try to get, two guys there to be starting for next season. Like you've got to have four guys solidly in that room that you can play at any time. And we've heard there's, there's definitely some positive uh, chatter about Cryer. Um, you know, we, we kind of thought of him as a little bit of an afterthought uh, when he was added to the roster, but there's a lot of optimism about him that he could potentially take the next step. And it's important to remember too, you know, we're, <laughs> we don't want it to sound all doom and gloom about this. FSU is in on some, some really talented linebacker prospects for 2024. But like Josh said, you know, if you, if you're swinging and missing on this, you pretty much have to land at least two studs in 2024. And that's easier said than done. So we'll see what happens with it. 2024, you mean 20, the 2024 calendar year for 2025? Correct. Yeah, <laughs> class of 2025, you have to land them in 2024 for the signing period in December. Sorry, class of 2025. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think that, and I'll, I'll kind of close this out with this, the thing that, that, I don't know, concerns me about linebacker is, I think even if you get Murphy, uh, I don't think either Murphy or, or Lundy are Kalen Deloach in like your QB spy type speed. You know, maybe Murphy can can get there, but um, yeah, I think you need that type of linebacker in that rotation somewhere, and I don't know if that that guy exists on their roster currently. So we'll see what Florida State does from a recruiting standpoint. We'll see if they still go after uh, the kid from Charlotte as well, if they are able to add Murphy. So, uh, David, Josh, any final thoughts on the defensive class? I know we've been going on here for about two hours cross three podcast anything else you got to get out of here before we get out of here 
No, it's a nice oh, yeah. defensive class. You can't you can't always guarantee that every room is going to be perfect as far as on your roster. Um, mm-hmm. We've we've harped on it before that certain rooms seem to continue to upgrade the high school recruiting. Um, but overall, Florida State continues to raise that floor. And I think this class, they've seen this significantly raised the floor. Um, they keep losing guys to the portal that mostly they're they're not worried about losing. Um, and and as, as you've seen, like the guys they're bringing in are much better than the guys that are going out. Um, and that, and that's what you have to do. Like, hopefully as Norvell resigns that they get more money, they get more resources, they get more coaches, they get better recruiters and, and are able to bring in more blue chip high school players going forward. And I think that'll be the case. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you're still seeing the roster churn that we, we needed to see happen from, the first two squads under Norvell before, uh, you know, the big shift happened. And so there's still some churn that needs to take place. And, you know, you see with where the guys who are leaving, where they end up, that's kind of more appropriate to their talent level. Um, you know, we talked about on offense, maybe seeing uh, FSU pursue a true offensive tackle and then maybe another tight end on defense outside of the linebacker position. I think they're, they would be happy to roll with what they have. Of course, if a stud comes available who wants in, you have to listen. Um, and I could maybe see them looking for like a true space eater defensive tackle uh, if the right one comes in. But I think they're happy with who they have, again, outside of linebacker. Uh, they've done a really good job with defensive back and with defensive line, but they certainly wouldn't turn down a stud if he wanted in. But um Again, y'all, you know, there's definitely been some negative news around FSU. There's no doubt about that. But again, just, you know, take the positive with the negative as well. The Portal King is alive and well. Um, Again, you know, you have these schools who are just taking the Dion route of like Louisville, bringing in a ton of kids, Texas A&M bringing in a ton of kids. But Mike Norvell is looking for quality, not quantity. And I would say he has definitely backed up the talk in that regard when you look at the transfer portal additions this cycle. Yeah, and, and I was I kind of alluded to this at the end of the other podcast. I think Florida State, while they have not replaced some of their their needs with elite talent, they've definitely raised the floor of this team. And I, it's kind of hard to say, but I feel like their floor may be even a little bit higher than last year. Uh, with some of the experience pieces that they brought in, uh, and you won't see as much of a drop-off if one of those guys are out. So definitely going to be an interesting offseason for Florida State to see what happens. Definitely going to be uh, interesting to see what happens with the whole ACC as a whole, but I think we're in good hands with Alfred and Norvell. Uh, guys, thanks so much for jumping on and, and spending this afternoon with me, uh, talking recruiting. As always, you can catch David and Josh at Tomahawk Nation in the recruiting thread, leave your questions. Uh, let us know what's going on there. David and Josh always have the the thread updated with with what we're seeing and, and what we're hearing and what we're seeing on social and other things like that. So try to keep you as informed as we can, uh, but check us out. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, give us a five-star like review. Let us know that you're uh, hanging out with us. And so for David Stout, David Stout, for Josh Pick, for myself, Tim Allenball, Uh, This has been the Florida State Recruiting Podcast. We are the three stars. Let's keep climbing.